1: That's right, another week, and the playoffs are officially here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 127. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to help me provide you with the most in-depth breakdown of this Saturday's playoff matchup against the Atlanta Falcons that you'll find anywhere. We'll follow that up with our scouting report where this week we're going to break down one of the top players in this week's college football national championship game. But before we get into all that, let's not waste any more time. Greg Cosell and I dive into this Eagles-Falcons matchup on both sides of the ball. What is most important to follow in this game that's going to lead to an Eagles victory? Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Talk Talk. All right, Greg, let's get into this. It's obviously a huge matchup here with the Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons divisional round. It's going to happen Saturday night here at Lincoln Financial Field. Let's dive deep into this matchup. And really, you've been watching the Falcons all season long. I've been doing a kind of a cram session over the last week and change. Last week, part-time, you know, preparing for a potential matchup. And then Monday, it's my entire day, was watching Atlanta on both sides of the ball. Let's start with the Eagles offense matched up against this Atlanta defense. And, and I got to tell you I was really impressed by this Atlanta defense in a lot of different ways. It's a fast, really competitive, aggressive unit uh which, you know, obviously has its advantages and its negatives, but when you watch them, it, it's an athletic group yep. that flies to the football.
0: Yeah, and and they start the the foundation of what they do is single high safety. They play single high safety coverages on the back end predominantly cover three. They've really morphed over the last three weeks or a month, Fran, to play a lot more cover three than cover one because earlier in the season they were playing a lot more cover one. But now they've played a lot more cover three, and their last three, four games they've played really, really well. Quarterbacks have had a very difficult time throwing the ball against this defense. Uh, They're only completing about 55% of their passes over the last three weeks against this defense. So this defense has played well on the back end. Now, that also leads to the pass rush. It's a very fast, aggressive pass rush. Predominant four-man pressures. They're not a big blitz team. Uh, So when they go to their nickel— The edge rushers are almost always Vic Beasley on one side and the rookie Tack McKinley on the other side. They're both aggressive players. Beasley is a very good athlete. McKinley at this point is just a bundle of energy without a lot of moves. Nonstop. But he he will get after it pretty good. Um, There are two nickel linebackers, and a lot of people don't talk about them. They're as good a nickel linebacking duo as there is maybe left in the playoffs. It's Devondra Campbell. Who you and I both really like coming out of the University of Minnesota, six four, about two hundred and thirty-five pounds, a very athletic player. And then Deion Jones, who when they're lined up stacked, Deion Jones looks like his little brother because Deion Jones <laughs> is about six feet, two hundred twenty pounds. Jones is a great player. But he's a really good player. And so their nickel defense is a really, really difficult defense. To, to go up against
1: and facing the L. A. Rams last week, eleven personnel, pro, pro, which from is what all the day. Rams basically yeah. line up in. So it was nickel all day. For the Atlanta Falcons on defense. Uh, let's let's start and let, kind of look at this from a matchup, to sure matchup perspective. So you know, you talk about Nick Foles, and this is going to be the you know the the matchup that I think is in everyone's focus and everyone's crosshairs this week is what he's going to face. You talked about uh, the single high coverages from, from the Atlanta Falcons. So you see cover three, you see cover one, you see some two-man, especially on third down. The From a personnel standpoint, though, and a Desmond Trufant and a Robert Alford, and in, inside in the slot you have Brian Poole, who I think is one of the best slot corners. Yeah, he's played really well the last year. two years, and yeah. he came out of nowhere. Yeah, he was a seventh-round pick, yeah. I want to say, from yeah. Florida. Um, tell us about the personality of those corners on the outside, because – Probably the best corner duo I think the Eagles have faced all year. Probably right there, to me, with what you saw in Denver with Talib and Chris Harris.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really like them as players. You know, Trufant, he's the guy that people talk about because he was a high pick. I think he was initially a first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But And Alfred was a small school guy who— Southeast Louisiana. I remember when he came yeah. out, there were a lot of people who really liked him. He may have been a second-round pick. I believe so. And I think they might have come out in the same year. Uh, that
1: You might be right about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, they're both probably a little shorter than you'd ideally like, but they're uh, very aggressive players. They're quick players. Uh, they're Keep in mind that even when you're playing the, the zone version of single high, which is cover three, when you're playing outside the numbers – it 's really man to man so yeah. then it just becomes what technique the corner is playing, but it really becomes man to man coverage outside the numbers and these guys they 're aggressive, uh, I think they drive on the football really, really well, which is absolutely necessary when you play cover three because normally in cover three you 're not playing press right you 're playing with a cushion you 're playing off coverage uh, so I, from a personality standpoint they 're very competitive they 're very aggressive uh, Again, you hear this all the time, but I think it holds true for those guys is that th- they play with amnesia. So if they do get beat here and there, that doesn't impact the way they go about playing the next play. Uh so there it's it's a tough duo to go up against. And you mentioned the slot corner. There's a guy when he started last year week 1, a lot of people didn't know who Brian Poole was. And I'll I'll count myself in that category yeah. as well. And I thought he played really well last year and I and now Look, I think they play out of their nickel because they're not, they, they play very little dime. Yeah. But so they play nickel. I think I looked at the stats and they play nickel something like 72 or 73% of their snaps. So Brian Poole is on the field on three quarters of the Falcons' defensive snaps.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's, I mean, all three of those guys, they're quick, they're tough. You mentioned the competitiveness little handsy, they'll, 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 they'll play through the route, snap the whistle, they're going. If it's
0: not called, it's, <laughs> it's fine.
1: And it's one of those things, too. I, ben, uh, ben Fennel brought up a good point when we were watching. If you hold on every play, they're not going to throw out no, no. <laughs> They no, are. No, they're uh, very aggressive and very competitive. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a really, really tough competitive group. So, you know, watching them match up against an Alshon Jeffery and Torrey Smith and Nelson Aguilar, that's going to be, to me, that's one of the best one-on-one matchups in this game is Nelson versus Brian Poole. Um, two guys that are very quick, very sudden in and out of cuts. It's going to be fun to watch those guys match up. Well,
0: in. it'll be interesting too how much man they do play. Yeah, obviously they're single high safety based, but on third down they will play some two man. Yep. Now two man is interesting because it's a whole different way you can play man coverage because you have the two safeties over the top, so you don't necessarily you know you can, you can play more of that sort of tailgating. Undercutting defense, where you can almost let receivers get over the top of you and undercut them. So it's it's a different technique.
1: Yeah, which is what makes those throws for the quarterback Harder, all the more difficult. Yes. no question. Um, and do you? They don't travel, you know. And Desmond, do you think that it'll be a situation where Desmond Trufant's going to follow an Alshon? I Denver? don't think so. Yeah, now, I don't think so could
0: be wrong. He's done that at times, yeah. but that's not their normal M.O. Because their foundational coverage is zone. Normally, when a team's foundational coverage is zone, friend, and you know. This they don't travel corners, but it's they've done it on occasion. But I I would think not this week.
1: Let's talk about the safeties because you know the the corner is obviously very talented. Ricardo Allen is a former corner. I think he was coming out of the Citadel. But the the strong safety count, O'Neal, is a guy who, to me, really, really impressed me on film. I loved him at Florida, uh, a guy who matches up on the tight ends at times when they go 3-by-1, so he'll play a little bit of man, plays down the box, big hitter, uh, really instinctive, tough safety.
0: No, I agree. I mean, he fits – What they do, because as we said, they're foundational single high, so he's the safety in the box. He predominantly plays there. At times, he'll be deep, and Allen will move into the box, but predominantly, it's uh, Keanu Neal. Now, when they play cover one, he will match up to the tight end. Mm. If they play two-man, he'll be deep, and Devondra Campbell will match up to the tight end and Campbell can play tight ends. Yeah. He's very very athletic and he's long. So they feel very comfortable with their tight end matchups when they play man to man.
1: Do you think that it would be advantageous for the Eagles to go with heavier personnel groupings in this game? Are those matchups where, you know, let's say you kind to of force them to stay in base uh, you know now you're bringing on Duke Riley, a rookie linebacker from LSU. But another small super player, athletic kid, but he's, he's undersized. Yeah, yeah,
0: cuz what they, you know, what they'll do I mean, they, they do two things. Now that Riley's healthy, He he's probably the guy, but when he was not playing, Vic Beasley ended up playing sort yeah. of strong side linebacker in their 4-3. Yep. I don't know if they want him there. Probably not. Um, but then you get, you know, if they go 4-3, if the Eagles go with two tight ends – uh then you're going to get Devondra Campbell, who will probably be the strong linebacker up on the, playing on the ball on the line of scrimmage, and their two stackbackers will be Riley and Jones, who are both light. Yep. So there's definitely going to be an argument to be made that you want them in their base and you want to run the ball. Now, I took a look at a ton of Eagles running plays last week because I wanted to get a real feel for how the Eagles run the ball. And as you know, there's always tendencies and there's always concepts with specific players. Of course. And I found it very interesting in looking at Blunt, there was a... He's the guy who did the wham and the trap. Yep and the inside zone because he's a, a straight-line linear runner.
1: Which will be a factor in this game in right. terms of the traps and the whams. Right. So against this scheme, you would think that they're going to try and prey on that aggressive. Right,
0: although what was interesting is the Rams tried that a couple of times yeah, it and, and, well. and it did not go well yeah. because it was Don Terry Poe on one of them, I believe, yep. and he just read it immediately and he won. But but just getting back to the Eagles' run game, that, those are the runs I saw with Blunt. Then for Ajayi and Clement, you saw a lot more outside stuff. You saw a lot more outside zone. You saw a lot more with pulling linemen to the perimeter. So the Eagles have a definite run game approach to f- depending on the backs. And and now it comes down to execution because the Falcons will know that from film study.
1: Sure. And the, I think it'll be interesting as we transition now into this run game. Jay Ajayi, no, no running back in the NFL, ran for the ran for more yardage in the Falcons this year than Ajayi did when he was with the Dolphins. There was 136 yards, right. I think, in that game uh, back early in the season. You know, coming off fresh, didn't play Week 17, was inactive for that game. Uh, I'll be very, very intrigued to see how he's used in this game. You watched him again in that Miami Dolphins game, a lot of inside zone, outside zone power. You get him going downhill, had some big runs late in that game as Miami went on to to kind of seal that victory.
0: Well, there's definitely a belief that – with the combination of what they have inside with Grady Jarrett, who you and I both all have always liked, but he is a lighter player. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, Don Terry Poe is not a lighter player, but, but with the, if you look at Jarrett and you look at the two stacked backers who will likely be Riley and Jones, there's a certain feeling that you attack that straight on, downhill, and you make those guys have to take on blocks because you don't want those guys to be able to play fast flow, pursue, be aggressive, yep. and run. So. I think you'll you 'll probably see the Eagles take that approach in the run game
1: I think when you look in the trenches, you know Jason Kelsey versus Grady Jarrett. I went back and I watched the game last year. I thought Kelsey handled himself very right. well in that game. Uh, two guys that are a little bit undersized for their respective positions. Uh, Grady Jarrett has turned into a really nice player. He's a good he player, a sixth round pick out of yeah. Clemson. Uh, has turned. Well, into you a and I really thought nice he should have been drafted higher. No question. Uh, I think he definitely should have been drafted. I don't. Did, did we necessarily see him as a nose tackle? I don't know that I. Well, but I that, think but,
0: that's not fun—I think he plays both. Yeah, he I think do, it depends do, do on their fronts. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, he. They're, they're a four D line front, so it's basically a gap defense. So he'll play the one technique and the three technique depending on their front.
1: So going across the line here now when you start to see some of these matchups, you mentioned when they're in nickel, it's very often Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley. When Beasley's on the field, it feels like most of his rushes come against the right tackle for the most part. But the other guys, you'll see McKinley rush from both sides. Yep. Derek Shelby runs from both sides. Adrian Claiborne, due to kind of his uh, his body type, is more of a, a right defensive end. So you'll see him uh, over on that side against the left tackle. These are all matchups, I think, that are really big. McKinley, like you said, they guy kind of just – is non-stop. Yep, non-stop. Made a lot of high-motor plays and tape that I watch. Uh, Claiborne versus Vitai. Claiborne, six sacks, was it, against uh, against Dallas earlier yeah. this season? Um, you know, has been disruptive for the – really only has really one or two go-to moves, but vitai has got to be ready for those go-to moves.
0: Yeah, and, and so much comes down to the timing of the Eagles' pass game. One of the things that they've struggled with, and, of course, it's always easy to put it all on Nick Foles. I do think at times he struggles in this area, but it's obviously not all him – But if you're going to run a quicker game pass offense, particularly if it's going to be in normal down-and-distance situations, then the ball's got to come out. And Nick and the the entire pass offense has struggled a little bit in that area with sort of the timing within structure. And that's something they're going to have to be much better at this week against the Falcons.
1: Yeah, and when you look at this Falcons defense, I mean – uh, very, very good in the red zone. You mentioned that they're not a, a huge blitz team in terms of, uh, the, you know, the sixth fewest blitzes from, from the way I charted it, uh, only 11 sacks via the blitz. But they're going to come at you with a four-man rush. So what does that mean for Nick Falls going into this game? What, what is it that he can expect to see schematically? You talked about what you see on a coverage standpoint, but what are some of the plays, some of the throws that he's going to have to make
0: if he goes well, in this game? Well, I mean, uh, they're they're predominant, as we said, four-man rush. Yep. So, the Eagles have a, a pass game that, for the most part, is a timing rhythm pass game where the ball needs to come out. That that's the there's not a lot of deep drops unless it's play action shot play, and we talk about those all the time. Oh, here's a good time for a shot play, but unless it's one of those plays, you don't see a lot of a lot of deeper drops with this offense. So the key really is to be able to for Nick to hit that back foot. The ball's got to come out, and he struggled. He struggled with that throughout his whole career at, at times. He can be a little deliberate. He can be a little measured. If he gets into that mode in this game, it'll be difficult because that's where I think this defense can cause a lot of problems. But if the ball can come out within timing, Fran, then that negates the pass rush. So that's really critical. So really what you're talking about here is the coaching staff has to create concepts, pass game concepts, you know, two-man combinations Three-man combinations, uh, particularly against zone. That's where yeah. they're most effective, uh, where the ball can come out. Obviously, if it's man coverage, then you have to feel like you, you're going to pick out a throw, and you got to throw it, yep. and, and you got to turn it loose. Nick is not a secondary action player. He's not anywhere near as good the longer he stays in the pocket. The longer he stays in the pocket, the less effective he is. Sure. So he has to play with a defined sense of timing and rhythm in this game within the structure of the pass offense.
1: I think one of the just overall, whether it's run game, pass game. Two things. One, you want to prey on that aggressiveness. You want to attack their right. their aggression as a defense, especially in the front seven. You'll see misdirection. So you're going to concepts. see misdirection, screens and draws. Yep. You're going to try a lot of the backfield action stuff. Whether it's split zone, you know, something as simple as the tight end coming across the formation can mess with a linebacker's keys. And it, right, it's a right. fast flow group like what you've got with Jones and Campbell. You're trying to you know get those guys flowing one way to hit the run back the other. Uh, i'm i'm really anxious to see how the because I thought last year the the game plan against the Falcons was very, very good. You saw a lot of the split zone stuff you saw a lot of the jet uh, jet sweep action to go with a trap play and you know create some big plays in the run game with some of the backfield action so uh, very, very anxious to see how, how the Eagles choose to attack, and then, like you said, it's all about you know the ball's got to come out on time to be able to take advantage of those concepts that are called in the huddle. Anything else schematically, offensively that you're kind of expecting in this game, or any other final thoughts before we transition to the other side of the ball?
0: No, I think we pretty much hit it. I'm, uh, I, I'm think you know here's my sense. I think that despite and and we'll get into the other side of the ball in a minute, but my comment sort of ties into that. I think the Eagles are going to feel pretty good about the, their defense against this offense right now, and this offense has not played real well, and and we'll get into that momentarily. Which leads me to, to think that you might see the Eagles be a little conservative offensively to, to see how this game starts. Now, yeah. a lot of people say, well, that's not in Doug's nature, but the last thing you want to do in a playoff game is have early turnovers, and... You know, I know that that Doug likes to be aggressive. Andy Reid has always been that way in playoff games. Uh, You saw what Andy did, you know, this week against, even though they lost, what he did early to get the big lead against Tennessee. But I'm just wondering if they they might be a little careful this week because the last thing you want to have happen here is all of a sudden it's middle of the first quarter and you're down 10-0 because you've turned the ball over. Mm.
1: I think it's one thing that kind of plays into the Eagles' hands a little bit too is that you look at a lot of the Falcons' wins over the last few weeks, They've been close victories. They've been, you know, somewhat. Because they haven't ugly. scored a lot of points. They haven't scored a lot no. of points. But they, the defense, I think, over the last six weeks, it's been has sixteen
0: points a game. Very, very well.
1: Has been very, very good. So you know, you look at you know the way that the Eagles want to win this game, it's going to be a twenty-one seventeen. It's gonna more be than a, likely it's going to be a yeah. twenty to twenty to thirteen, and it's not going to be pretty. No, but I think that that I think that that plays to it, and we, we might get some weather you know, on Saturday night. It's going to be it's going to be a fun matchup from that standpoint yeah. for sure. Um, but let's go to that other side of the football. And you mentioned that the matchups. You know, I think that the Eagles will feel favorable uh, going into this game with, especially up front. You, know, you look at the defensive line against that Falcons offensive line. They have had you know, an injury at left guard. Andy Levitre is out. So you've got Ben Garland in there. Uh, and then you've got Wes Schweitzer at right Who's guard. Who's struggled all year. That was good. Tell, tell me about these guys because I think we know You know, Jake Matthews is a solid left tackle. Not a star, but a solid right. left tackle. Alex Mack, one of good the best player. centers in the game. Uh, and then right tackle Ryan Schrader. Uh, another guy. Nice player. Player, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So when you talk about those two guards, what I mean I think when you
0: watch there? when you watch their pass game, which we can start with that. When you when you watch their pass game, I think it shows up every game that they struggle in pass protection one on one at the guard position. That's where it always shows up. And now that you have the backup at left guard in Garland and Schweitzer who struggled all year, you know, I think that that's an area that the Eagles have to attack and can attack. Yep. And there's many ways to do that. We've talked about what are, are probably their two staple fronts when they uh, line up in their sub package, whether it's nickel or dime, where they either line up with two wide nines and two three techniques or they line up with some kind of five across. But all of that is geared theoretically to creating one-on-ones, particularly when they line up with the two wide nines and the two three techniques, because that's normally Graham and Cox inside of the three techniques. And we have get into what we've talked about numerous times about how to def. How how will the Falcons handle that? Yeah, right. You know, surprisingly, last week they slid their protection early in the game away from Aaron Donald, and he wrecked the game. And he had the one on ones. But the point is, whoever they slide their protection to, whether it's Cox or Graham, the other interior player, Cox or Graham, is going to get a one on one matchup on a guard. You
1: have to win the one on one, and
0: I think the Eagles are going to feel pretty good about that.
1: Yeah, to me, Ike Reese brought up a great point on Eagles game plan. It was two weeks ago. I want to say it was after the Oakland game. You know, when you look at guys like Fletcher Cox and Malcolm Jenkins and when you say, like, you know, these guys are great players in Eagles history, the greatest players in Eagles history made their mark in the playoffs. You know, this is where right. the, the defense, to me, you take the next step. This has been a great defense all season long. Uh, obviously, you had your bumps at, at certain points. But to me, you know, Fletcher Cox, this is a game where you're going to win your one-on-ones and you, you've got to make your presence known. In early the past on.
0: game, they have to win up front because yeah. – Say what you want. the Falcons have not scored anywhere near the points they did a year ago, Matt Ryan's only thrown 20 touchdowns compared to, I think, 37 last year. So the numbers are not there in the pass game, but the players are still there. So if Matt Ryan can be, is going to get comfortable in the pocket without pressure, he's a pretty darn good professional quarterback, and they still have pretty good players. Now, I went back and took a look last year. The Eagles didn't do anything special with Julio Jones. No, not at all. They just played. Yep. Now – you know, again, that doesn't mean they won't this year because you know that's on tape and we've seen them we'll,
1: do. We've seen them do things with Odell Beckham, Antonio right, Brown, right, a lot of talent. Right. Players. So we don't yep. know. But
0: last year they did nothing special with Julio. They didn't match up anybody. They didn't necessarily roll coverage. They didn't double team him with dedicated doubles. We saw Malcolm Jenkins one on one. Nolan yeah.
1: Carroll. Dylan yeah. Mills.
0: No question. Yeah. They just played. Yep. They played their defense, and it worked out pretty well last year. But we'll see. But um. Uh, you know, obviously, Julio can wreck games and make big plays, and that's what you must prevent. My sense is, because they've not run the ball, the Falcons, uh, the numbers are pretty good. The, to me, it's it's an odd mix because the tape doesn't reflect the numbers. They've had some games where they've run it really well, yeah, but I don't think they've run it consistently game to game as they did a year ago.
1: I think the volume is there, but the numbers aren't necessarily to the point where you're like, wow, this this run game – it's probably special. I you look at it, you know, yards per carry, they rank eighth in the league, 4.3 yards per carry. It's a, it's a a good solid, you know, good number. Um, But not to the level I, what they were top. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think they've had some really good games,
0: but not when you watch tape and I've watched every Falcons game, not a, point where i feel like consistently week to week that this is a really good run game but again good players freeman and coleman and believe me there are some people in the league who think coleman's a better back than freeman i I love freeman but you know i get that Uh, but um certainly they can they can be big factors and you you can't just you know let them get going
1: and clearly they know their issues in pass protection because you know they play that game against the rams last week they ran the ball, what, 40 times in that game? Well, the score also allowed them.
0: And by the way, this game could well be the same yeah. kind of game.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, to me, it's going to come down to and something that the Eagles have done at a high level for 99.9% of the year is defend the run. Right and, and, and they'll have to do time. that it's going to be a big time factor in this game.
0: because it could be another volume run game you know look uh, last week if the, the um, R- Falcons got ahead of the Rams the game was always pretty close yep. I mean it was 13-7 at the half it, they, they never really pulled away they made it kind of a two-score game I guess late in the third quarter but that was this game probably lines up to Play out relatively the same way, so you would expect volume in the run game from the Falcons again. They mean last week, I think they only averaged three point two yards a rush, yep. but there was a lot of volume.
1: Yeah, and so the, the staples there. And outside if you zone, it wrong. Outside zone, <laughs> inside zone. You see the crack toss as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, with a lot, so you're going to see the the linebackers for the Eagles that if you're lined up on the edge you got to be ready for those receivers to come down and crash. Oh, yeah. Mohamed Sanu was one of the best I've seen in oh, the NFL yeah. this year. Right? No, but you're
0: right. It's outside zone, inside zone, and those pinball concepts yeah. where they toss. Yep. And, I mean, you go back and you watch this because you said you went through. I remember a number of weeks ago against Tampa Bay. It might have been week 15 or 14, somewhere around there. Yeah. They they just ran outside all game, and, yep. and the Bucs didn't do anything to stop it. Yep. So that, that was one of those games where the numbers really accumulated, but it was against a defense that's not very good.
1: Sure. And when you look at the transition of this passing game uh, last year, they were the biggest big play offense in the NFL. And they're not now. They're not right now. Uh, The numbers in terms of downfield throws this year, they're 13th in terms of the quarterback rating, 86 quarterback rating last year was 133.1. You know, nine touchdowns off big plays last year, just four this year. The numbers across the board in terms of the big play aren't there. That being said, you mentioned a Julio they Jones. They have players. Muhammad Sanu. You know, Justin Hardy's a nice player. You know, all these guys. Austin Hooper. I mean, Taylor Gabriel last Taylor year Gabriel was a sure. big factor yes. who everybody
0: spoke about. And he, I don't, again, I don't remember every single play this year. But last year he caught, not only did he catch tunnel screens and run 25, 30, 40 yards at times, but he caught downfield balls. He beat the Eagles on an 80-yard touchdown
1: on the, on the yeah. stutter go.
0: Correct. Yep. Correct. And he, th- those plays have not happened this year.
1: Yeah. So, The one thing that they do have going for them, though, is that they're the number one third down offense in the NFL. Which
0: is really odd to me watching the tape, but they are. Yeah, it's it's, (laughs) it's
1: interesting because – and I don't know what the numbers are in terms of passing versus running. I, I had, didn't go that deep into it, but seeing that they're the best third down offense and, and just watching them, you get a feel for all the, the, the different layers to it. You know, you yeah. see the fact that they're so good in the bunch, you know, they're That's, so good with pre-snap motion and deciphering coverage early. They run empty, all right. the different personnel groups, multiple tight ends, multiple backs, a lot of different factors there that go into how efficient they are. Offensively.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned bunch because they're very good at that. And, Again, the Eagles, how much man the Eagles choose to play, I guess we'll find out. My guess is they'll play more zone. But the, the Falcons do like to line up in bunch, three-man bunch. Uh, and and they're very, very effective with it. Yeah, and, and the other thing you have to keep in mind with this pass offense is Freeman and Coleman are excellent receivers. Yes. And... Not only are they offset in the backfield, but they can be detached from the formation.
1: Coleman, they put it in the slot a yeah. lot, you know, and it's not just oh, uh, they're going to run and throw a screen to him. right, He'll, right. You know, I remember the the Denver game last year was kind of like that that game that everyone put up on a pedestal. Well, that was a heavy man defense, right.
0: and they. I actually talked to Matt Ryan about that at the Maxwell dinner, uh, and and he said that they knew they were going to get a ton of man, and they, that was a matchup they knew they could win. Yeah, now yeah. the Eagles won't play that much man, of course.
1: No, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting, and just to see how the Eagles decide to match up. Because honestly, you know we've seen this over the, the last few years. Uh, that's been an area where you've seen the Eagles give up some big plays it's to the running backs in, in yep, coverage. Right? You know, do, they, do the Falcons come out in twenty twenty one personnel uh, and flex Tevin Coleman in the slot, and see how the Eagles decide to match up? Uh, I think that'll be very interesting in this game. It seems like when they go with two back sets, the ball's going to Coleman. That's just me, though. It just seemed like yeah. I, don't, I don't, I didn't, play yeah, I don't, I, don't
0: I can't speak to that one hundred percent either. But uh, but there's no question that those two backs are really effective in the past game.
1: Any other big uh, big things here, Greg? I mean, there's a, there's a, a ton we've we've covered a lot in just under 25 minutes, or just under 26 minutes. Uh, a lot of big factors in this game. It's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Especially, uh, I'm thankful it's it's not going to be single digits out there. No, it's gonna no, no. Be in the 50s. Um, I'm, the I'm
0: thankful it's the early game Saturday, so I'm not. Uh, you know, fighting sleep in the fourth quarter, sure, you yeah.
1: know? no. Well, hopefully we need, none of us are uh, yeah, fighting sleep. Yeah, yeah. So it should be an exciting game. So uh, excited to watch it with you here. at the overcare complex. Greg Cosell, appreciate the time here once again on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Great stuff from Greg, and you could follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on any and every Social media channel. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating and leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout out to MT fifty seven who rated the show and left a comment saying how much they enjoy the podcast on iTunes, as well as Fuyadel who rated the show and left a question. And Fuyadel wants to know. Who have been my favorite offensive and defensive players to watch this season? And how does their play compare to my preseason and midseason expectations? So I picked three players on both sides. On offense, Nelson Aguilar who obviously you know, surpassed a year ago at this time. If you would have told me that Nelson Aguilar was going to be this much of an impact player for the Eagles offense, uh, I would not have believed you. And the fact that he has made the jump that he has to me uh, has been one of the storylines of the 2017 season. Uh, Jason Kelsey, you saw the flashes, especially around midseason last year, him start to kind of turn the corner in this offense. The the Eagles coaching staff doing a good job of understanding what are the concepts that work well with him. You're seeing not just the, the pin pool schemes and you know him getting up to the second level in zone runs, but also a lot of their draw plays where you see him get out to the second level. You see him as a puller. You see him in the screen game as well. So Jason Kelsey, uh, to me, has really kind of stood out to me as a player that I enjoy watching each and every week. I'm excited. Like I mentioned earlier with Greg, I'm excited to see him match up against Grady Jarrett on Saturday night. And then Brandon Brooks, his linemate, the guy right next to him, you know Brandon Brooks to me has always been uh, just a solid player, a solid right guard, uh, one of the better starters in the league. This year he's been one of the best offensive linemen that I've studied all season. He's been outstanding, uh, very much deserving of his Pro Bowl berth. I was not—I'm going to be honest—I didn't necessarily expect that he was going to be named to the Pro Bowl because typically with offensive linemen, you see that it's usually a couple years after they deserve it that they finally get voted in. Uh, So really happy for Brandon Brooks. He's a great guy. Every time I've ever met him and got a chance to talk to him, I've really enjoyed it. And watching him on film, you you see a guy who's just smart, he's tough, he's nasty, he's technically sound. I've really enjoyed watching Brandon Brooks all season long. And then uh, my favorite on defense, obviously Fletcher Cox to me is one of the best in the league at his position. I think he's a top two or three defensive tackle in the NFL, but Brandon Graham is a player that I just I love watching him each and every week, and he's just so much fun. Uh, I mentioned it with, earlier with Tack McKinley, the defensive end from Atlanta. The guy's just a ball of energy. That's Brandon Graham, you know, and he has just been outstanding uh, week in and week out. And it might not always show up on the stat sheet, but making plays against the run from the backside as a pass rusher, he's just been outstanding uh, all season long. Tim Jernigan, I know, has kind of fallen off a little bit because of this ankle injury. Hoping to see a big game from him in this this week's game against Atlanta. But he's been so dominant and so physical at the point of attack in the run game. Has been disruptive at times as a pass rusher as well. Uh, I was a little bit worried when the team lost uh, Benny Logan in free agency. But Tim Jernigan has come in and filled those shoes uh, really, really well, and obviously has grown the, the the shoe size up a couple sizes as well, uh, just with his play. And then Jalen Mills. I, I know you know some people you know kind of give him a bad rap. I'm a big big fan of Jalen Mills and the way that he plays the game. Uh, he's super physical, competitive, instinctive kid. I know he he jumps a couple double double moves here and there. That's going to happen. The corners. That that's just a fact of life in today's NFL. I'm a big fan of Jalen Mills as a football player. You know, whether he's a corner, a slot, a safety, you know, down the road, five, six years from now, I don't care. To me, he's going to be a starting player uh, in this Eagles secondary for a long time. So I'm a big fan of Jalen Mills. So thanks to MT57, Shvuyavel, and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep this show going. I told you earlier that we would break down a player from this national title game Atlanta or Georgia versus Alabama. Let's talk about Georgia running back Nick Chubb this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Nick Chubb, 5'10 and a half, 228 pounds, uh, a big physical kid, two-time first-team All-SEC. He was actually named the SEC Freshman of the Year back in 2014 ahead of some guy named Leonard Fournette, who obviously has turned into uh, a really impressive first-year player for the Jacksonville Jaguars, was a great player for LSU at the college level. Three-year starter for the Bulldogs. It's his first year in offensive coordinator Jim Chaney's pro-style scheme. You know, started his career uh, for Mark Richt in that pro-style offense, lined up in both one- and two-back sets. Really good feel for the variety of zone and gap run schemes in their offenses. And to me, his vision – His feel as a runner, that's the strength of his game. He's short with a a, a thick frame, but he's built to handle the load as a running back. You know, He's a decent athlete, lateral quickness, and agility to find running room in tight quarters. I think he's solid there, but his best trait in my eyes is his vision as a runner. He is both patient and decisive with the ball in his hands. He's got an innate feel for picking his way through trash and finding a crease in the defense. He's more than willing to do the dirty work between the tackles, and he's really good at finding cracks in tight spaces, very competitive ball carrier works to pick up every inch he can on every carry he's a tough guy to bring down arm tackles alone aren't going to do it and he's a strong runner with a low center of gravity that churns the butter through contact his feet are always going he takes care of the football he hasn't put the the ball on the ground once in 12 games that I've studied from him over his career. He's got deceptive speed in the open field for a bigger back especially, and he's a serviceable receiver in the screen game as well. Adequate pass pressure, he's got to get a little bit better there, but a guy that I think gives good uh, give good effort in that phase of the game. Now, 2015 tore his knee up, right? It's a couple, it's a couple of ligaments that were torn there, missed uh, the rest of that season. Didn't really seem like himself uh, for a good chunk of 2016 as well, um, but they, and I think with that on top of the fact that he's not a truly dynamic athlete that's going to wow you with his burst or his speed in the open field, you know that's the thing that people kind of question is is he athletic enough? Is he explosive enough to be a full time starter at the NFL level? You know he looked a little bit more comfortable as the year went on last season 2016, but was still not to his pre injury form. He's not a guy that you're going to move around as a chess piece, not like his teammate Sony Michelle who puts the ball on the ground a a little bit more uh, than I would like to see in terms of his ball security. Doesn't project to that kind of player in the NFL. He's not going to be a movable guy in terms of being moved around the formation. I think he'll be a nice third down option, not the kind of athlete that will need to be game game planned for defensively. And he's more likely to try and run through you than shake you one-on-one. He doesn't have great wiggle as a ball carrier either. But overall, Nick Chubb, naturally instinctive runner, may have the best vision of any back in this class. He's tough. He's physical. He's well-rounded outside of a lower athletic ceiling that you'd like to see. I hope that, you know, uh, that one of the things that I wrote down coming into the year was that I was really hopeful that he would return to pre-injury form. And for the most part, he looked like that this year. Now, Monday night, national title game, he, I think he averaged 1.4 yards a carry. He, I don't think he ran for more than 25, 30 yards in the game. A lot of people are going to kill him for that. You know what? Leonard Fournette didn't run for a lot of yards either against Alabama over his three-year career. That's turned out okay. That's a great NFL-style defense that he's going up against. Nick Chubb is one of the better running backs in this class. I still have faith that he can be a feature back, a primary ball carrier for an NFL offense. I'm a big fan of his game. So great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, one last time, rate the show. Uh, give us a few seconds. Leave us a comment. Leave a question. Don't be afraid to, to leave one on there because I would love to answer it here on the podcast like I did for Shuyavel earlier in the show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.